0: everyone. Welcome to another episode of Futures for Finance. This week's guest speaker is Eric McAlley. Eric is currently an assistant teaching professor of finance at Quinnipiac University, where he combines his academic teaching experience with his 24 years of investment management experience. He worked as a fixed income portfolio manager, risk manager, and head of operations across firms like MBIA Asset Management and Insight Investment. He also received his BBA, MBA, and doctorate from Pace University where he was awarded the Outstanding Doctoral Student Award. As a professor, he covers theoretical concepts as well as providing links between material learned in class to how it may be utilized in practice. We are so excited to have Eric speak with us and share his experiences. Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Futures for Finance. I'm Rachel, and I'm a rising senior at Quinnipiac University, majoring in finance with the minor in computer information
1: systems. And I'm Leah Chapino. I am a rising senior at Hofstra University, majoring in journalism and political science. This is my first episode of Futures for Finance, so I'm super excited.
0: This week's guest speaker is Eric McAuley, and we're so excited to have him tell us more about his experiences. Welcome, Eric.
2: Thank you very much. I'm very excited to be here.
0: Eric recently won the award for excellence in service to students at Quinnipiac University, and as one of his advisees and students, I agree that that is totally well-deserved.
2: Thank you very much. I much appreciate that.
1: Well, we're so happy to have you here, Eric. And with that, I guess we'll jump into the first question. So there are many different asset classes and investment solutions for investment management professionals. To choose from, to specialize in, and you have extensive experience as a fixed income portfolio manager. So could you tell us a little bit about what drew you to fixed income rather than equities and what you think about the sector more generally?
2: Yeah, sure. That's a great question. I'll answer this question in two pieces. First is, to be perfectly honest, I really wasn't looking to be part of one market or the other. Like many of your listeners, I simply wanted to get a job out of college, and I chose the role that was most suited for me at the time. I chose the one that gave me the highest salary at the time, most stable conditions and then what I thought was the best uh, upside. So this happened to be the fixed income firm. Second, and to speak about the fixed income markets in general, I think that they were a lot more interesting, frankly maybe more important to the economy directly than the equity markets. And let me explain. So there are more facets, more variables, more things going on in the fixed income markets. There are more interest instrument types that you have versus the equity space. So if you're going to invest in an equity You have common shares primarily that get traded, but in the fixed income markets, one issuer can issue dozens of bonds with different maturities, different cash flow types, and it makes all those different uh, risk types and different return spectrum. So I think that's a lot more interesting. You have more um, customization in the fixed income markets. If you think about the yield curve for a second and interest rates, they are a key metric in almost every financial decision. Students learn about US treasury bonds and finance classes and these act as the base or the benchmark for all interest rates. So as interest rates move treasuries, so do corporate hurdle rates, so do auto loans, mortgage loans on the, on the private side, on the customer side. So interest rates really drive economic activity in a more direct way.
0: That's a great answer. And I'm definitely trying to just find a job after graduation. But I am also very excited to take the fixed income class in the fall so I can kind of see where my interests lie. But with that, um, we'll go on to question two. So you have over 20 years of professional experience at companies like Cutwater Asset Management and Insight Investment. Um, So what motivated you to get your doctorate and become a professor? And what is the most rewarding part of being a professor?
2: Uh, My motivation actually came from years of wanting to teach right out of high school. Originally, I was going to be a high school math teacher, so I started as a math major. But when I started there, most of my family members, most of my male family members, encouraged me to switch to business simply because you could make more money in business. And being an impressionable you know, 18-year-old at the time, I took their advice, and I switched to finance because I did have some interest in the stock market you know, while I was in high school. But frankly, my personality is more suited to what I am doing now. Now, I certainly don't regret my decision to move into business. And if I were to ask to do it all over again, I certainly would. I've had a successful career, met a lot of great people over the years, including my wife, by the way, on the job. I still am friends with many of the people I've worked with through the years and have very good relationships. So I wouldn't go back and change anything. However, through the years of mentoring, training staff and colleagues, and even coaching my sons in various sports, I was constantly reminded that I really enjoyed this aspect of my job and my life. And it was really rewarding. So it sounds a little bit corny, but I really simply wanted to make a difference and help students grow from high schoolers and move them into pre-professional.
1: Well, it's definitely really great that you wanted to give back, and I think it's—I'm it's, sure—it's a hard decision um, to go from you know a, such a lucrative career and going into teaching. So that's definitely that's great. So going off of that, what would you say was the most difficult part of breaking into academia after being in the private sector? And what are some trade-offs you faced regarding things such as your work-life balance, the type of work you do, and the kind of impact you can create?
2: Sure, that's a really good good question. Frankly, the most difficult part of breaking into academia from uh, the private markets was not necessarily the teaching or the preparation it was more uh, the research, the building research was relatively new to me. So I'm sort of a, a noob, if you will, in the industry from that perspective. But in terms of the trade-offs, this has been a big bright spot for me. So honestly, I'm still working roughly similar hours as to when I was working with Insight Investment, which was my last role. And as a new professor, you, know, you build a lot of new courses as you grow into the role and you build them from the ground up and they take quite a bit of time to build. Now, that's not a complaint. I enjoy it, but it does take uh, quite a bit of time. However, the difference is that I have much more flexibility when I do this work, as opposed to when you're working, let's say, in corporate America. And since the work I'm doing is directly related to my goals as a professor and directly for the benefit of my students, I get a lot more personal satisfaction out of the work I'm doing.
0: As one of your students, I can agree that all of your work directly affects us and We do appreciate all of your hard work, um, especially during this tough time where you have to make the transition as well as we do. And I think a lot of students don't realize that a lot of times, but sometimes when you just sit back and think about it, the professors probably have it harder than us as well. And with that, going off of kind of like classes, um, we noticed that you taught an introduction to fixed income analytics to undergrad students as an elective course in the fall. What is the biggest or most important takeaway slash concept that you want students to get from that
2: course? So more generally speaking, in any of my classes, I really try to emphasize the concepts that I never want the students to forget. And I do mention that multiple times in the class, even five to 10 years from now, I don't want them, there's certain concepts that I don't want them to ever forget. Formulas are easy to forget. You can always look up a formula in the future, but this big, the big concept is what I want to stick. So in the fixed income market, I'm going to answer this with two big takeaways. The first is the valuation of the bonds, or coming up with a price of a bond, and this is very fundamental to finance, just valuing assets in general. But a bond's value is simply equal to the present value of all the cash flows. And when you learn this in your fundamental finance courses, the inputs are typically given to you, uh, and the calculation is relatively straightforward once you get used to, once you get used to it. However, in a more focused fixed income course, the challenge is that you need to actually estimate the cash flow. The cash flows can be different than what you learn in some of your intro courses. They may not be so predictable. So one example is a callable bond, okay? Callable bonds, the cash flows change, the maturity date will change depending on where interest rates are, relative interest rates relative to your coupon. So once you learn, it becomes more difficult to estimate the cash flows, that's one piece. The second piece is you always need an appropriate discount rate to discount your cash flows. And typically, again, in your intro classes, you provided that discount rate. But in this class, we learned a lot about how that discount rate is actually derived. Where does it come from? What are the factors that, that influence it? So understanding the framework of valuation is very easy, frankly, but then getting into the details of the inputs becomes very, very challenging. So a big takeaway is understanding at a deep level how you value assets in general and specifically bonds. The next concept that I always emphasize is referred to as duration, and duration is interest rate risk relative to price. So generally speaking, if you buy a bond today, and general interest rates, let's say rise the next day, your price will lose value, okay? What duration measures is how much value do you use? What's the magnitude of that loss? It's an extremely important concept in the fixed income markets because it's a very, very important risk metric that you need to understand. So this is also a concept that many novice investors don't always understand or appreciate when they're investing. So take someone who's investing in their 401ks and they invest in a bond fund. They may or may not understand how important duration is into their risk. Most people understand credit risk or the ability to pay back, but not necessarily uh, duration risk. I want my students to have a very, very detailed understanding of duration and all the drivers of interest rate risk from this course.
1: Great. Well, it definitely sounds like all those big concept ideas are really making your students take a lot away from the course, which is wonderful, but I know that's how I learn the best. So as an educator and a professional with much experience in investment management, what advice will you give to students who want to enter the field or other fields within finance? And what do you suggest they take away from the classroom and academia that would help them succeed in real life situations and throughout their careers?
2: Very good question. There's a lot I could say here, but I'll try, and, I'll try and narrow it down to three quick bullet points here. Uh, the first is I always try and emphasize producing finished work, all right? So what does that mean? Finished work means you provide all the requirements. It seems very simple, but there are a lot of people that still don't fulfill all of the requirements. Uh, proper amount of detail needs to be provided as well. So it's work that the product of hard work, persistence and attention to detail. You should be able to hand off your work to a person and have them be able to use it without making any adjustments. So that's very, very important is finishing work off when it's assigned to you in the workplace. If you're viewed as someone who cares about the end product, then you would do very well in the business world. Next, another thing is to be proactive and continually learn on the job. And I don't necessarily mean your procedures. Yes, you have to understand your new procedures and your new role, but your industry, your business, the market, Don't stop learning once you start uh, your job. It's very easy to get narrowly focused, especially junior staff, because you're you're usually in an analyst role. You're dealing with a lot of data, a lot of uh, number crunching. But you you, you should be able to build out your knowledge base, read up on the markets, tap into the news, ask senior colleagues, what are they doing? So if you build a report and you're giving it to somebody else, Set up a 15-minute meeting with them and say, hey, what are, you, what are you looking at here? Why is this an important report? You know, How does it impact our clients, et cetera? Doing that consistently over a long period of time, you're going to build some knowledge and then it gets you more ready for your next job and it allows you to grow. Last but not least, build relationships and network. And I know this is something that many people advise, but it is super important. Build relationships with your peers and continue to, to have them over time and you'll see people will move around and they will um, vouch for you uh, as you move forward in your career. Uh, to address your second question in terms of the, you know, what you should take out of your courses, uh, I'll break it into three, okay? The first is valuation. Valuation is so key, and I'm focusing primarily on the investment management area as opposed to maybe corporate finance. So in the investment management area, valuations and returns are extremely important to understand. So understanding the, the drivers of asset valuation Understanding, obviously, present value, future values, uh, and then where the cash flows come from, whether it's a fixed income instrument, or if you're valuing a firm or the firm's equity is extremely important. So understand those at a very deep level, because you can apply those in many different ways in the investment management space. You're not always going to get a cookie cutter question, right? It's going to apply to different, different areas of finance. The second piece is understanding thoroughly the risks of your investments. So in fixed income, we talked about a few of them, of course, already. And then equities, what are some of the risks? What are the risks buried in the firm themselves? How much leverage did they have? Those types of things that affect equity returns. Be sure that you understand those very, very thoroughly, because they're very, very applicable in in the investment management space.
0: That was a great answer. Um, I think as someone who's graduating, as well as Leah, um, we're graduating in a year and getting the advice from someone who's been in the field is definitely very important thank you so much um so with that thank you everyone for tuning in to another episode of season two and thank you eric for joining us today to check out all of our brand new content including our brand new rapid fire speaker series and terms of the week subscribe to our podcast on spotify at futures for finance and follow our instagram page at futures for finance as always, be sure to check out all of our speakers and connect with Eric on our website at futuresforfinance.com and we'll be back next week for another episode, so we'll see you then.